This is the reality. Hello to you. Welcome indeed to the reality. It's me, Dudley Anderson here, and really good to have your company. The reality is a half-hour talk show talking about real life as found in a relationship with Jesus Christ. The Reality is produced by Shore Reality, a listener-supported radio ministry. Please find out more at our website, shorereality.net, or drop me an email, dudley at shorereality.net. Today on The Reality, we're speaking with singer-songwriter, worship leader, and apostle, Wynne Goss. Wynne began his working life as a professional entertainer, performing in nightclubs, workman clubs and halls, and also on television and radio. He started out as a schoolboy, playing guitar in a school concert with his friends. But Wynne ended up in a rock band and eventually embarked on a solo career. However, life then went awry for Wynne Goss. Depression kicked in and Wynne found himself on a cliff edge. On Palm Sunday, 1977, I drove about five miles to the highest cliffs in this area. As I got towards the cliff, I didn't know what to expect. I decided to stop and look. And when I did look, I mean, it took my breath away so high, I'd never imagined it. My heart began to pound and I gathered my thoughts. And as I went to take the step towards the edge of the cliff to literally jump off, so I heard an audible voice behind me. Not long after that, he gave his life to Jesus Christ and began playing guitar for his Lord. Wynne has recorded seven worship albums and has gone on to plant several churches and to develop an apostolic ministry. Speaking to Wynne Goss on Skype today, thank you so much for joining us. Wynne, you are involved in church planting uh, in an apostolic ministry. You're also a worship leader, songwriter. You've got records or albums on the shelf, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But I believe you started out as a professional entertainer before you came to Christ. Tell me a little bit about your your life as an entertainer. I was raised in a a Methodist family uh, in a church and and. uh, I just got asked while I was in school, when I was about 14 years of age, if I would just learn four chords on a guitar so that I could play in a concert with my friends to win some points for the school um, house. And yeah. and so uh, that's how I got into music. and play. I was into music. I was singing a lot, but I never played an instrument. And so yeah. I played these four gu- uh, guitar chords, and I so loved the guitar that I just went on and on from there learning and then I went from there to having the boldness to sing in uh, folk clubs and I got well known around the folk club circuit and then I joined a rock band uh, from that and we got into well being well known even having uh, an offer of a contract with one of the highest recording studios in the in the country and then uh, that all fell apart and so uh, my wife and I um, joined up with an old friend from the folk world and we began um, a trio and that's probably the the one that got us the biggest reputation doing television and radio and some of the biggest nightclubs in the country and and so that's where we went and then eventually we had a two year a little boy born and we were away for his first birthday and uh, my wife was really upset and didn't want to be part of the band anymore and so we dissolved it and oh. and all I did was go solo from that point on and then it wasn't long after that I became a Christian. Great, that's amazing, amazing. Just from four chords on the guitar. From four chords on the guitar. <laughs> really? <laughs> uh, so when uh, then you say uh, Jesus stepped into your life, when and how did that happen? 
Um, well, I went through a, a real after giving up the the band and and the the music scene. I just went to work for money. I just started chasing money, and and all I found was that uh, I could make a lot of money, but I didn't have much time to spend it because of the commitment and because of all the pressure that came with it. And I found it actually brought me to a place of depression. I had never been depressed for one day in my life, but here I found it myself in a real low point and it brought me to a place where I just wanted to commit suicide because mm. I I couldn't see any reason for living tomorrow and if, if I if I all I was going to do was go 12 14 hours a day working to get this money get up tomorrow morning to do exactly the same the next day and the next day and I was going to do that for the rest of my life with no purpose, no ability to, no quality in it, mm. and and I couldn't see any purpose in it. So I just decided I would commit suicide. So mm. on on Palm Sunday, nineteen seventy seven, I drove about five miles to the highest cliffs in this area, and uh, parked at the car park at the top, shut the door, threw my keys on the floor. It was about. 10 o'clock at night and it was dark and I started walking towards the cliff and I as I got towards the cliff I didn't know what to expect because I'd always been afraid of heights and I'd, <laughs> I'd never ever looked down a cliff that high and wow. so I decided to stop and look and when I did look I mean it took my breath away because it was so high I'd never imagined it you know and I wow. stepped back two paces my heart began to pound and I gathered my thoughts. It didn't stop me wanting to kill myself, but I just gathered my thoughts and I went to take a step. And as I went to take the step towards the edge of the cliff to literally jump off, so I heard an audible voice behind me. The audible voice just said, this is not my plan for your life. Go home and in seven days I'll show it to you. Wow, amazing. Well, I, I just was so shocked that I stopped and turned around thinking, who's watching me? And, and of course there was nobody there. Now, as I said, I grew up in a Methodist church, and my presumption was it was it had to be God, <laughs> and yet I actually had no real relationship with Him. I didn't even know at that time I could have a relationship with Him. I just went to church and thought all you did was believe in Him, and when you died, you go to heaven, and as everybody else does, and you'll meet Him. And but I I knew that. He could speak. I'd seen it in the Bible. In the Methodist Church, they told stories about God spoke to people like Daniel mm. and Samuel, and and so I. But I think, why would he speak to me? Why would he speak to this? I mean, I was so such a small. I had a, a, a personality problem. I was insecure. I I was shy, and I thought, well, why would he pick on talk? He can't possibly pick me to talk to. So. I didn't understand it at all, but it took away from that split second, my all my depression and all my thought of killing myself was gone. I didn't make it go, it just went. And and so I got in the car and drove home. And by the time I got home, it was probably about 11 o'clock at night and I was re rehearsing how I was going to try and uh, fool my wife. That's the, what had happened. Mm -hmm. Because I, I, didn't, I didn't want to terrify her. I didn't want to tell her I'd been thinking of committing suicide. That would have really, been a problem for us, so I just decided to make up a story. And uh, and so as I put the key in the front door to open the door to go in, so the door opened from inside as she opened it and flew the door open. And of course, I just jumped nearly out of my skin. And she said, where have you been? Where, where have, you, have been? you been? Well, before I could answer, she turns to me and she says, you missed it all. You missed it. Oh. And I said, I missed what? And she said, 
the first half of the film, Jesus of Nazareth. <laughs> so I looked at it, I said, what are you talking about? She says, on television tonight. Wow. She said, oh my goodness, it's all the stories you've been, you, you grew up with. And she said, I couldn't believe it. I was sitting there thinking, when would love this? Where is he? And uh, she said, I even phoned your mother and talked about it. She'd seen it and she, we started talking about Jeez. it and we've made arrangements. The second half of the film is on television next Sunday night. We're all going to your sister's house to watch it and have f food together. Wow. So, so she never asked me where I'd been. So I thought I'd got away with it. But all the <laughs> following week, all the following week, I just, every time I had five minutes to myself, I would just look up into heaven and say, well, if that's you, if, 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 that's, if you can do that and speak to me and if you're trying to tell me something, tell me what to do. I don't know what you want. Well, I, n I never got an audible voice. I never got anything. Mm -hmm. And so all through that week, I just survived. And the following Sunday, I went to my sister's house and there were so many of us, they had cushions and chairs and goodness knows what, and we were all sitting everywhere in front of the television. And and amazingly, I got stuck in the middle. And that's probably a wise thing for me, because I loved films and I got stuck in the middle with everybody surrounding me, so I couldn't get out. <laughs> and the film went on, and of course, the more the film went on, the more I got lost in it, because that was me completely. I used to get lost in films, forgetting it was a film, and I was in the film as if I was one of the disciples watching and listening to Jesus. <laughs> and of course, it comes towards the end as he gets arrested and he gets whipped, and everything in me begins to want to cry out, no, 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 you don't hurt the, the good guy, you hurt the bad guy. <laughs> and And it got worse and worse, and, 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 and so did my emotions. My emotions on the inside began to get stirred up and stirred up and stirred up. And time after time, I wanted to burst into tears or shout something out. And of course, being a British person in the fa and in my <laughs> front of my family, I pushed those emotions back down. Hmm. Well, it was, it was like a white knuckle ride. That's the only way I could describe it. My hands gripped the chair so tightly because I was trying to keep all these emotions in. I didn't know how to handle them. And when it came to the end, as they were crucifying, it got worse and my head was pounding. And and the only thing I can tell you, Dudley, is, is as you hear the sound of the hammer hitting the nail into Jesus's wrist, it was as if somebody took a red hot knife and pierced my heart and twisted it. My word. And all of these emotions began to erupt from the depths of the depths of the depths from within me. I had no idea where they were coming from, but I wanted to scream, mm -hmm. but I couldn't. And I just pushed them down until the end of the film. This happened three or four more times. And once the end of the film came, everybody was in my family was going, oh, how wonderful. Let's, let's, get, let's get some supper together. And I didn't want supper. I didn't want to, I just want to get out. Mm. And I grabbed my coat, I grabbed my wife's coat uh, uh, and my son's coat, and I said, we're going home. And she said, they went, no, 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 you're, all, you're staying. And I went, no, I can't, I can't. And they knew something was up, and so they didn't say anything. They just watched me go to the car. I drove home in silence. My wife never asked me a question what was going on. She just knew something deep was going on. And I ran out of the car, into the house, fell on my face in darkness. And, and for apparently two and a half hours, I cried and I cried and I cried. And the only thing that they said I cried was, Jesus, I am so sorry. I never knew. Jesus, forgive me. I'm so sorry. Mm. Over and over and over. And finally, I can remember saying to him, 
what I now know, everybody calls as a sinner's prayer, but I'd never heard of a sinner's prayer. I didn't know what that was. Didn't know one existed. But mm. I prayed while flat on my face. I just began to say I've made a total mess of my life, which actually wasn't true. I wasn't a naughty person. I wasn't a bad boy. I wasn't a criminal. I hadn't done anything majorly wrong. I was just the same as anybody else. But I felt like the worst person on the planet. Mm-hmm. And I said, Father, I failed with everything of my life. But if you can take my life and live your life in me and through me, please do it now. And the atmosphere changed in a split second, Dudley. That room was filled with the presence of what I now know was was God. I had no idea. I'd never experienced it before. But the room, the atmosphere just changed. This peace flooded the room. It flooded my heart. And it was as if somebody picked me up as dirty, dirty, filthy black and dropped me in a bucket of bleach and pulled me out. And I was whiter than white. And all that feeling was gone. All the guilt was gone. All the condemnation, all the anxiety, everything was gone. I felt like I was brand new. Jesus. And when I got up on my knees, of course, it was two and a half hours later. And and as I was laying flat on my face, when the atmosphere changed, I felt the physical hand touch my left shoulder. My wife was sitting there and she'd put the lights on. I didn't know that. And she was watching at me, and she just looked at me, and she just said, who was that? And I just said, who was what? And she said, who was that that just walked through the wall and touched your shoulder? Wow. <laughs> wow. I, I had felt him, and she had seen him. Good. And I just said, well, I guess it must be Jesus, because who else was I talking to? Yeah. Wow. You know, and, and that was my beginning, and, and that was Easter Sunday, 1977 and what's amazing is I was born on Good Friday but I was born again on Easter Sunday You are listening to The Reality produced by Sure Reality a listener supported ministry We value your prayers and support very much You can help us touch millions of people with the reality of Christ by becoming a vision partner Visit surereality.net and click on Become a Vision Partner That is Become a Vision Partner at surereality.net Listen again to The Reality on our podcasts at shorereality.net. My name's Dudley Anderson. You are listening to The Reality, a half-hour talk show talking about real life that is found in a relationship with Jesus Christ. If you've been listening and you have some questions, I would love to answer those questions for you or perhaps pray with you. Please write me an email if you can, dudley, D-U-D-L-E-Y, dudley at shorereality.net. Find out more about the reality at our website, surereality.net. Today, we're speaking with Wynne Goss, singer, songwriter, worship leader, and apostle. Wynne has shared with us how he began playing guitar at a very early age, soon found himself performing in nightclubs and community venues around the country and on radio and television. He became well-known and started making some really good money. But fame and wealth failed to meet an emotional need deep within Wynne's soul. Wynne found himself literally on a cliff edge one night, intending to take his own life. At that very moment, Wynne heard the voice of God calling him by name. On the cliff edge, Wynne Goss was introduced to the reality of God's love. The Bible says if we call upon the name of the Lord, we shall be saved. We continue to talk with Wynne Goss today via Skype, and I ask him if simply calling on the name of the Lord will save someone's life. 
absolutely yeah well that's why i tell everybody now i if it was left to theology we'd never get anything you know so uh, I had no theology. I just literally, out of the passion and the cry of my heart, I cried to a person I couldn't see. I cried to a person I couldn't feel. I, I just said, if you're there and you can do something with my life, then do it. And he did. That was all he needed was the permission, you know, and he wanted my request. I wanted him to take my life and live his life in it. And amazingly, just right there and then, he did. And, and do you know, it wasn't just a one-off experience. That's what got me is is I got up off my knees. And, and of course, Anne and I then um, didn't know what to do. The only thing we knew what to do was to pick up a Bible and start reading it. Well, mm. we didn't even know where to begin. <laughs> uh, I mean, so we began in the Gospels, which was, the, you know, the, the, the obvious thing to start. We knew that the Gospels was about Jesus. So let's start there. And we started reading the Bible. And the following Sunday, we went back to that old Methodist church because I didn't have anywhere else to go. I didn't know anything about any other churches. But when we went there, we met some people who were born again, who had come to the church and become born again. I hadn't been to the church since I was 17 years of age, and now I was uh, 24 and a half years old. And so mm-hmm. <laughs> we suddenly saw them. And a few days later, they were telling us about meetings going on called charismatic meetings in those days and i thought nothing of it but a few days later i bumped into a lady that i'd seen on the sunday that knew me from a child and she looked at me she said when you've been born again Hmm. and i said what is that and she turned to john she had a little bible in her pocket she pulled it out and she turned to john chapter three and showed me about being born again how jesus told nicodemus a man must be born again to enter the kingdom of god you know and so she said that's what's happened to you praise god so I had an understanding from the Bible that it was a oh, it was something that's supposed to happen. <laughs> <laughs> but from that moment on, I just Anna and I just began to tell everybody. I, I know God. it sounds remarkable. It was so simple. We started telling everybody that we could about what had happened to us, and we led over two hundred and twenty people to Christ Jeez. in our first twelve months. Wow, that is absolutely incredible. <laughs> Praise God. You know, another, another scripture comes to mind. It says in Revelation, Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. You know, and I think of a door closed, I can't see who's behind the door. And I think many people, perhaps somebody listening to us today, hasn't seen Jesus. They haven't had a physical experience like you had. But nevertheless, he's on the other side of the door knocking on their lives. And all we're going to do is what you did, open it up and say, Come on in, Lord. Amazing stuff, amazing stuff. When... But then you moved on, and I'm assuming, just making an assumption here, as a musician and as a singer, you began to sing for the Lord. Am I right? Yeah, again, that was just like I said, I took up the guitar by accident because a friend asked me to help him. And and the same thing happened, even though I was a professional musician, um, I didn't presume to use my guitar at all in a church service, and so I never thought about it. But... um, they were having a big charismatic meeting, and it happened to be going to be held in the Methodist church I was still in. And um, there was a worship leader, a lady worship leader coming from Cardiff, and there was a guest speaker who was coming to speak for the day. And uh, my wife Anne and I were just going to attend the day and enjoy it, you know. And just at the last moment, a message came through saying the lady who was supposed to lead the worship had got laryngitis and couldn't sing. <laughs> And so they didn't have a worship leader. And, and so they said, well, what do we do? And somebody just said, well, when, 
Wynn can play, Anne, and he knows can four, sing. He knows four chords on the guitar, at least. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you knew four chords on the guitar in those days, you could sing any of them. It was so poorly written in those days. But, yeah. but I, I, they just came to me, and of course, I just looked at them. I just, me? I don't know how to lead worship. That's, that's not the same as entertaining a, a, in a concert or in a club and stuff. And they mm. just said, Wynn, just pick whatever songs feel good to you in your heart right now and just play them. And I thought, well, I've never even played them. I've never even rehearsed them, you know. So I got, they had chorus sheets in those days. And so I grabbed a chorus sheet, ran upstairs, because my mum and dad were the caretakers of the church in those days. And so I ran upstairs to the house, grabbed my guitar, came down and hurriedly went through to work out what key every song was in. And so I just picked four that I thought, well, I know those, I know those go well. And I just picked up the first song and I started singing with Anne and playing the guitar and the what I now know was the anointing, the presence of the Lord again, that same presence that filled my house the day I got saved, suddenly filled that church auditorium and things began to happen. Hmm. And of course the message went out is that, oh, Wynn is anointed to lead worship. And so Anne and I were asked to travel to churches all over the south of Wales where we live uh, going to congregations and churches and, and just singing and leading worship. Well, we began to write songs about our testimony, writing songs about our journey with Jesus. And so we began to mix it. So we did worship and then ministered in song. And then I told my testimony. And that's how people started getting saved. And uh, it developed from there. It went on. And now, over the years, I've, got, uh, I've produced seven of my own albums. Mm. And I'm, I'm working on an eighth right now. Wow, amazing. So you're still making music. You're still leading worship? I, I do. I, I don't lead it as I used to. I lead it using just my own material. And I and I tend to just do something with worship before I minister the word, uh, because that's how it's always been with me. I, I, I tend to use the worship to flow. Sometimes I never get to preach at all because the anointing mm. and the presence and power of God just works and people get saved and they've been healed because... When, when Anne and I were first saved, we saw um, an evangelist called Peter Scudden from the north of England. He came to the area and held a healing meeting. For the first time, we, we saw physical healings in front of us, like we saw on the television when we watched the film Jesus of Nazareth. Yeah. And so uh, he was very influential in my life and our life in those days. And he prayed for me and said a prophecy over me, saying that the Lord was sending me to the, preach the gospel to the four quarters of the world, with signs and wonders following me wherever I went. And from that moment on, we began to see miracles accompany our ministry. So even in the midst of just singing, whether it be worship or singing our songs, people would get saved and suddenly people would jump up, shout, and I've been healed. Praise and we, we saw every conceivable miracle you could think of. It. I mean, absolutely everything. It was unbelievably great what God was doing through, through people who didn't really know what they were doing at all. We were just loving Jesus and telling everybody about him. So from worship leading, still leading worship, but I believe you've also uh, done some church planting. You have an apostolic ministry looking after a series of churches, encouraging and teaching. Tell me a bit about that. Well, again, uh, when I say people got saved, Anne and I first began to see and, and understand the church planting side of things when we moved to an area of the town we live in, lived in, in Bridgend, in South Wales. And we moved to an area by, by the leading of God, not knowing anything about that area, didn't realize that it was quite a dark, dark area of people in real 
a real mess in their lives, you know. And so we went there and through a six-week period of me doing nothing except respond to what the Holy Spirit was doing, we led 32 people in our street to Christ. Mm-hmm. And then through that, we began to take them into our home to teach them what it is to be a new Christian, a new believer in Christ, to be a disciple. So we began to teach them and lead them in worship and and, and the things of God would happen. You know, people got saved, people got healed and, and they brought their friends and it began to be a church in a house. And and out of that, we planted a church and uh, and out of that grew more churches until we would hold conferences where churches would come from all over the world to our conferences to to implement, learn how to implement what we had learned here in South Wales. That's how it all began. And from that, in uh, 2001, in the end of 2001, Anne, my wife, died, went on to be with the Lord. And that's oh. a different story altogether. Oh. I got married and after Anne died and went to be with the Lord about four or five years later, I got remarried to Gwenda, who I'm married now. But it was at that point the Lord led me to let go of the churches that I was in oversight in South Wales and leave the ministry, leave everything, leave my home, leave my family, leave my country and just follow him. And, and so I did. And out of that came a network of churches and ministries that wanted to connect to us or connect to me, I should say, from all over the world. And now we, we give apostolic oversight to them. You know, uh, when listening to your testimony and uh, how you said uh, in your words that you you felt you were insignificant and uh, somebody listening up today, perhaps listening to your testimony, uh, win, and they say, that's me. You know, I'm in a, in a bad place. Um, I don't know where to go next. Depression and, and suicide is an option. What can I do? What can they do to be saved? Well, know that, know, know that what they're feeling Millions of people have felt, and the Bible is full of stories of people who had the same sort of feelings, and and that God is a God who is kind, He is loving, and He thinks you're the most valuable person on the planet because you're not like I thought. I was insecure. I thought I was insignificant. I thought I was valueless. I didn't matter to anybody. When the reverse was actually true, and I didn't understand it because I didn't understand the gospel. But when I got to understand the gospel and understood the heart of God, I realized that Jesus, who is God's own son, was going to the cross in my place so I didn't have to die in sin, that he took my sin upon him, and God allowed him to do that. And and God asked him to go to the cross and take that punishment and the beating that he did and the rejection that he received in my place. And that said to me, well, I must be of incredible value then, because you don't pay that sort of price for something that's not of value. You pay that for something that in your eyes is incredibly valuable. And even though I couldn't see it in my eyes, I discovered he thought I was incredibly valuable. Mm. And I would say to people right now who are listening all over the world, wherever you are, I want you to recognize that truth, that it doesn't matter what people say. It doesn't matter if nobody has ever thought you're valuable. It doesn't matter if you don't think you are. I want you to know today there is a God in heaven who is very much alive, has all the power of creation, and can do all things miraculously to help you. He thinks you're so valuable that he asked his own son to go to the cross and die in your place and then resurrected him from the dead so that he could give you the same life that resurrection life, that you could have eternal life, not just an individual life that you have on earth. So don't, don't think you're not valuable. Understand to him 
You are incredibly valuable. Turn to him right now and do what I did. Just call upon him and say, help. Just say, I don't even know how to pray, but would you come into my life and save me and help me? And he will. Wingoss, thank you so much for joining us today on The Reality. listening to The Reality with me, Dudley Anderson, today talking to Wynne Goss. If you have some questions or you'd like some prayer, please feel free to email me, Dudley at surereality.net. Dudley, D-U-D-L-E-Y, at surereality.net. The Reality is produced by Sure Reality, a listener-supported radio ministry. We greatly appreciate your support very much. If you'd like to become a vision partner and help to produce these radio programs, please visit the website surereality.net and click on Become a Vision Partner. Once again, visit surereality.net, click on Become a Vision Partner. From me, Dudley Anderson, to you, as always, keep walking in the sure reality of Christ.